Welcome, welcome, welcome. Week three of a series that we're calling Ancient Pathways as we literally kind of walk through history as we, you know, when you look at the life of the church, the gathering of God's people, it starts in the book of Acts and yet it's carried on for 2000 years. And what we see is that throughout history, starting from the book of Acts, even till now, is that there are these kind of waves and there are these movements. There are these moments where God seems to kind of bring back or introduce a new thing to the church. Maybe the church has grown stagnant in an area and God just kind of revives it and revitalizes it. And we look at these ancient pathways that, that the, the forefathers and, and, and Christian missionaries and revivalists and different people who just, they've gone before us. I mean, you know, when you watch the church, you can see it kind of from a distance moving. It has an ebb and a flow. And, and even the church, you know, where it began in Jerusalem and springing out and the way it's moved literally from generation to generation across the globe. You see different time periods where the church was thriving. It began in Jerusalem, but it eventually took over the Roman Empire through their service and their generosity, their caring for the sick. You see it move into Europe and, and you see these revivals. Of course, you see the the. The role Christianity played in the founding of the nation that you and I call home, America. You see this incredible kind of moment where God swept through this nation and has used this nation incredibly over the last hundred and two hundred years. You also see how like there's an ebb and a flow, though, because the way that it moved through certain parts of the world, it's not like that anymore. The way that Europe used to be is not the way that it is now that we, we can be honest and recognize that the way America used to be is not the way that it is now. And yet. But you see the gospel travels. It moves. It's like water. You can't contain the gospel. It's the power of the message of the king, the savior king who died for us. So now you see where literally in, and then they predict in about 15 years that China will actually have more Christians than any country on the entire planet. Whereas before it was seen as like, there's no way that's communist China and they don't even allow. And they look at all that they've been through and look at the oppression. And you see you see places in Africa, you see places in South America. What you find is that the gospel cannot be stopped. It has an ebb and a flow. And, and so God in these movements and these waves kind of revitalizes the church. We're looking for that always in our own personal selves and our personal church. And then even as the church at large in America and globally, we're looking for God to kind of like spark something once again. Right now, it's moving in other parts of the world a little bit differently than it's moving here. And so we need to pray, God, will you make it move here again? We've looked at a couple of different revivals today. We won't look at any specific revival today. I'm going to take on something a little bit challenging, but I'm going to take on something that I think you'll see is incredibly common in many, many revivals. And it's a revival that I think we're always looking for because I think the gospel is always more powerful when it's coupled with this. And it's a revival of healing inside the church. Now, I don't think I've ever took an entire Sunday to talk about healing and, and what the Bible says about it. And as I got into this message, I need to prepare you like I realize I'm biting off more than I can chew that I literally God willing need to come back and spend two or three weeks talking about this. There's so much to be said, and I believe it's so important. And so today I'm going to kind of just throw a good bit at you. To see what does the Bible say about healing? Is healing for today? Why doesn't everybody get healed? God, if you do heal, how do we get it done? And how can you revive that in us? How many of you would love to see healings in the church? How many of you would love to see your loved ones be healed? How many of you would love to see healing in your own body? Yeah, we would. There's just something in human nature and the compassion of our hearts. Yeah, we want healing in our church. Which, which begs the question, if we want it and God says he would do it, why isn't there? What are the roadblocks and what's stopping all this stuff? Today, we will look at that revival of healing that we all need. Let's pray before we begin. Father, we pray that your word 
would be true. God, it would be the thing that grounds our beliefs and our faith. But God, that stirs us up to expect incredible things. That, Lord God, that we can believe for mighty acts. That the, the, the same healings that took place in, in your life and ministry, in the book of Acts, and throughout history. God, that why not us? Why not now? So, Father, we pray that you would help us, Lord God. Because before we need a revival of healing, God, I think you need to solidify our faith for healing. God, help us do that today, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we all said... Amen. Hey, if you have your Bible, I want you to look with me. I'm going to throw a ton of scriptures at you today. I'm going to throw a lot at you. And so I need you to go with me. Take notes because there's no way I can do all of this justice. I'm preparing you on the front end because normally what I would do is take a subject like this and break it into three or four weeks and then dissect each part of it. But today I just want to give you kind of like the ground floor of what I believe is, is what the Bible has to say about healing. Are you ready? Isaiah chapter 53 Listen to verse number three. The Bible says, now this is a a prophecy, meaning a prediction of the Old Testament to say this is what will come to happen when Messiah comes or when Christ comes. The Bible says he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and he bore our suffering, that word suffering actually means sickness. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. By his wounds, we are healed. This is a present tense statement, isn't it? This is like a thing that should be now and in the moment. It is is a present reality. Peter goes on and quotes it later in the book of of, of Peter where he, he quotes the same thing. He says, because of the cross, healing is available. Like you need to know that when Jesus took on the cross, that he took on the penalty for your sins. How many of you believe that? You believe that Jesus died for your sins. What this scripture says in the same way that Jesus died for your sins, that he also paid a price for a much bigger picture. That the gospel is not limited in power to where like it just gets you into heaven. Does that make sense? Rather, what it was was trying to bridge the gap between you and God so that God could get heaven to earth. And so it would be on earth now as it is in Heaven. That's what the gospel is all about. And so when the cross took place, well, you, you got to know it was much bigger than just getting you to heaven or just forgiving you of sins. As a matter of fact, the Bible says something unique. It talks about Jesus being on the cross so that all of mankind would have access to the promises of Abraham. Now, the promises of Abraham were that Abraham would be blessed in all things. Everybody say all things. Like God wants you to be blessed in all things. And here's why. It's because to be blessed in some things is to almost be blessed not at all. Does that make sense? Like some of you can say, well, I'm really blessed. You know, God's given me a lot. I have a lot of money. I'm blessed. Yeah, but if you're sick all the time, you don't get to enjoy the blessing God gave. Does that make sense? Or you can say, well, I'm healthy. I'm as healthy as I can be. But I'm broke. You know what I mean? Like God wants you to be blessed in all. Well, you could say, well, I'm really, really blessed here with this, but my mind doesn't work right or my body doesn't work right. Or this is wrong with my family or this is what like God wants you to be blessed in all things. When it said that the chastisement, listen to what it says. It says that the chastisement of our peace or the punishment that brought us peace was on him. That's that Hebrew word shalom. Like he paid a price so that you could have total wholeness. And completeness. Shalom didn't mean peace like we use peace. We say peace, we think no war, right? 
We say peace, we mean the absence of conflict. When they said peace, they said, no, it's all worked out. Total wholeness in every aspect of your life. And this is what takes place on the cross. There's this exchange that takes place on the cross. There are seven things that took place. Number one is that exchange death for life. That's the one that we think of immediately, that Jesus took on death when I deserve death and he gave me life when he deserved life. It wasn't fair. It's what God chose to do. That's why we call it grace. But not only that, but he exchanged sickness for help. The Bible says he bore our sicknesses. He exchanged rejection for acceptance. Like you deserve, I deserve to be rejected. Like you need to know that you need to know because the way that we come up with how good we are is flawed. Because when you and I think about how good we are, we're just comparing ourselves to people worse than us. You do that, right? I do that, right? Well, because I'm a good guy. If I compare myself to Jack the Ripper, you know, like I'm a good guy. I'm pretty nice. But like, as long as you keep comparing yourself to other people who are worse than you, which is who you always choose anyway, you, you, you're going to look pretty good. But the Bible says that's not how you judge righteousness, that you compare yourself to God and then you realize I'll never measure up. That I deserve death. I deserve sickness. I deserve rejection. I deserve all these things. But instead, because of the love and grace of God. I trade in my rejection for his acceptance. That's gospel. I trade in poverty for prosperity. I trade in defeat for victory. I trade in bondage for freedom. And I trade in punishment for peace. This is kind of the sevenfold blessing of the cross. This is what the, the great exchange really was. This is why we celebrate Easter. This is why we, we look at the cross and say, this is what God has done for us. It's unlike anything anybody has ever tried to come up with with any other world religion. We look at the cross and realize this is not us trying to get to God. We could never get there on our own. But the cross is God trying to get to us. The rest of the world would say, you've got to be good so that God will like you. That's not the way the gospel works. The gospel works like this. You'll never be good enough. God likes you anyway. Therefore, he died in your place. That's the gospel. That's how much God loves you. And this is the exchange that takes place. But one of them that we want to talk about is obviously this. Is that he bore our sicknesses on the cross. I want you to think about this reality. When Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that his blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins. How many agree with that so far? His blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins. But did he have to go through everything else? No, not for us to be forgiven. The Bible says it was by his stripes that we are healed. Do you know where he received those stripes? He received his stripes, 39 lashes, during a Roman scourging. It was basically where they would, they would string your hands together, pull you up so that you couldn't fall down, but your feet would barely touch the ground. They would literally take kind of what we refer to as a cat of nine tails. It was, it was a whip and it had all these leather strands. And in each of the strands had these bone and metal fragments in it. It was basically their way of saying, we're going to take a human being as close to death as we possibly can. And then we're going to pull him back. What they would do is they would take this whip and they would wrap it around the flesh of a torso. And then they would let the bone and metal set into the skin and then they would rip it out. They literally would give these guys high five. They were, these were trained punishment executioners. They were given high fives based on how far they could take somebody to death, but not kill them. And you said, did Jesus have to do that? No, he could have just died on the cross. They didn't scourge everybody. Some of them, they just put him on the cross, let him die. And that was the end of it. No, no, no. With Jesus, he took on something extra and you would have to ask yourself, why did he have to? According to the Bible. You would say that he took that extra, not just so that you could just just be forgiven of sin, although that's that's a pretty big deal. But so you could be healed in your body. See, I have this belief. This is just me. You can go there if you want me to. And by the end of the day, my goal is that you do go there with me. I believe healing is for today. 
I believe God can still heal today. I believe when we look at the ministry of Jesus and we look at the apostles and we look at what goes on today, I believe healing is for today. But I believe that there's a lack of faith in our hearts. And I think there's a lack of faith in the Christian church in America. Because you, you, when you study history and you look at other places in the world, you find that God does do healings. And you, you hear these radical stories in other parts of the world. What, what is the difference? Desperation. Think about it. We are in a society that has the most, we are the most medically advanced society on the planet in the history of mankind, aren't we? And we have so many luxuries and so many things. And how many know, like if you watch, depending on what channel you watch, they've got a pill for everything. Like, bless God, anything. Now it's got 20 side effects, but for anything, y'all can figure that out. And so... So because we live in this medically advanced society, because we've taken God out of the realm of desperation into the realm of, of, of kind of like, well, I go to God if I really need something. God's more of a luxury than a necessity because bless God, I got a job. I got a bank. I got a bank account. I got a doctor. I, I, I'll figure stuff out. What happens when you your doctors have no answers and your bank account can't take care of those things? And it doesn't matter how, how, how flush your 401k. It doesn't. It, a level of desperation begins to set in. But the problem is this desperation is set in, but we have no faith for healing. See, Jesus encountered this one, this one boy. And the Bible says that the disciples couldn't heal the boy, couldn't take the demon out of the boy. And they asked why. He said, this one comes out only by prayer and fasting. Now, here's the deal. When Jesus prayed for him, Jesus didn't say, hey, y'all, oh, y'all hold on one second. I'm going to go fast and pray and I'll be right back. He didn't go do that. He just did the wha-bam. He just did that way, which, which. Which means, well, was he? No, no, what he's saying is this, is I've got enough stored up prayer and fasting in the bank account. I can go make a withdrawal anytime I want. I live a life of prayer and fasting. I live a life of faith and power. I live a life. And the disciples didn't have that in the bank account, so they didn't have anything to draw on. And that's where many of you and I end up in our lives. When we, when we go pray for people, we don't have enough prayer and fasting stored up in the bank account. Our faith is not at the level where we, we don't just believe that God can, but we believe that God will. Let me let me just let me throw out some scriptures to you. Let's just go with me today. John chapter 14. The Bible says most assuredly, this is Jesus speaking. I say to you, he who believes in me and the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these he will do because I go to my father and whatever you ask in my name that I will do that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. So I'm not one of those guys that believes that healing was just Jesus, because I don't think Jesus would have ever said that. I think if, if that were true, Jesus would be like, hey, look, if you're sick, you better get some now because I'm gone and it's over after that. You're just going to be out of luck. No, Jesus actually said all the works that I'm doing, these things will continue in the life of the believer. Listen to these words, John. I'm sorry. First Corinthians chapter 12. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For one is given a word of wisdom through the spirit to another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healings by the same spirit. So inside the body of Christ, the Bible says that God equips the saints to do the work of the ministry and God gives out gifts. And one of those gifts, and I'm telling you what, there's no there's no one concise list that has them all. If you look at the Bible, there's two or three lists of, of gifts of the spirit and they're all a little bit different. There's crossover and layover. But a couple different times you find this idea that God gifts and enables certain people with the ability to transfer the healing of power of God to another person. It's not by their strength. It's what God does. It just God works and uses them. Mark chapter 16. Listen to this. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. 
If they have anything to drink deadly, I think I misquoted this in my scripture. Let's see if I can read it from the screen. They will take up serpents. All right, now let me help you real quick here. If you go out and pick up a snake, because you read this Bible verse and say that God told me I could pick you're stupid. That snake's going to bite you and you will probably die. There was, a, there was a guy on the news just the other day that was like one of those guys that like snake handling churches. Don't go there. Don't go to that church. That's not what this means. It means in the event of. Doesn't mean go and, and, and get a new necklace. And just... You heard that from me. Okay. It says, if they will take up serpents and if they drink anything deadly, it will be by no means hurt them. And they will what? They will lay hands on the sick and they, they will recover. So he, here's just some idea like, like healing is for today. It abs- now, how it happens, that's a little bit more of a mystery because God is not a cookie cutter God. It doesn't always work the same way. I've told you repeatedly, you can't formulate God. You can't manipulate God. You can't get God to be like, well, I did this and this, so you owe me. That's not how God works. Even Jesus, when he healed people, he did it in all kinds of different ways. One day he would just speak a word. One day he'd say, as you go and do this and obey, you will be healed. Uh, other people, he would like hands on. There was this one guy, he made us, he spit on the ground and made mud pie, put mud pie on the dude's eyes. And he said, you'll be healed now. Don't you do that either. Don't be like in the name of Jesus. You know, don't be, don't be that. Don't you tell him you're from a different church. Don't you tell him you're from new beginnings. Um, so, so God is no cookie cutter God. He doesn't do the same thing the same way all the time. And, and sometimes it is a bit of a mystery. I, I don't know. All I know is that I believe God heals today. I could give you more scripture. And so, you know, let, let me give you another one. Matthew chapter eight. The Bible says when evening had come, they brought to Jesus many who were demon possessed and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. Everybody say all in this situation. He healed all people. There's a few places this this happens. In Mark chapter 6, the Bible says that he gets on a boat, he crosses over. They bring people to him that are like broke down, can't even get. They bring in bodies of people that are lame and he heals them all. So does God heal all people? No. No. I got you. Um, be, be careful. I'm tricky like that. Um, because if you read Mark chapter 6, a little bit earlier before he gets in the bone crosses the water, the Bible says that he could do no miracles. Let me read this one for you. The Bible says this, Mark chapter 6, now he could do no mighty work there. Now, even, even in his own ability, he, he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And, they, and he marveled at them because of their what? Their unbelief. So like Jesus, literally, it said he could do no mighty miracle because of their unbelief. There's sometimes a challenge between doubt and unbelief. You know, some of us struggle with doubt. Can I help you understand? Like doubt's not a sin. I, I, I want you to have faith and I know we'll all struggle with doubt. And we, we, here's what you need. You need to doubt your doubts, by the way. That's how you overcome your doubts. Every time you have doubt, you're like, uh, I doubt it. And so you feed your faith, you starve your doubts, you doubt your doubts and you believe your beliefs. Does that make sense? Unbelief is a little bit different though. Unbelief is many times a unwillingness. It's a choice. Doubt is a struggle that we all have. Unbelief is a sin. It's saying, I I refuse to believe. I don't want to believe. And he said, the Bible says that he could do no mighty work. Now, he did heal a few people just because you can't keep a good man down. But he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. So does Jesus heal all people all the time? No. And, And I don't fully understand the reason, but I do know that faith is a huge, huge component. Let me, let me tell you where sickness comes from. Because before you can, if you really want to be able to figure out how does God heal, you got to figure out how we get 
sick and where that comes from first. Number one is this. I'm going to give you six up and six down. Number one is this. The, the, the reason why some of us are sick in our body is real simple. It's poor diet and a bad lifestyle. Now, nobody wanted to hear that. I got no amens. Did y'all notice that? Like nobody was like, amen, pastor, let's go organic. Nobody did that. But, but it's the truth. There are certain doctors that will tell you that they can predict whatever diseases you will eventually have just purely based on your diet. They'll say, well, what do you eat? Because based on what you eat, I can figure out, you know, what, what kind of sicknesses or diseases you might struggle with. It is absolutely a connection. So there are some of us in here and we know it. I was talking to a gentleman last week and he said, Pastor, before we did the 21 day fast, he goes, I promise I used to go through a six pack of Diet Coke per day. He goes, I just started. That's what I had for breakfast. That's what I had for lunch. He said, I had an IV hooked up. So it just it would just go right into my veins when I was working. and I didn't have to take a sip. And so, uh, you know, so like here's the deal. When you constantly consume that, which, by the way, you can clean engines with Coke, a cola. I don't know if you know that. Like, OK, so so imagine putting that in your body six pack a day every day of your life and then wondering why. There might be a sickness and some of you, you're wonderful people. I love you to death. You love Jesus. You're going to go to hell. I'm not, I'm not railing on you, but I'm telling you that when you choose to live a certain lifestyle, you are inviting sickness and disease into your life. And I know you don't want that. Do you? No, of course not. Nobody wants to be sick. And so what I'm telling you is, is you need to be my, you need to use wisdom and say, God, how would you have me live? Do I live my life saying I'll follow you here, here and here. But when it comes to my diet, I don't even want to consider what might be wise. Here's the problem with that, though. The Bible says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You notice we don't have any temples no more. Did you all know that? We don't have a temple. I mean, we got a building. We, we come and meet and worship. But like we don't have a temple. We don't have statues. We don't have places. We don't have we don't have that anymore because Jesus, when he died on the cross, the Bible says that the veil that was at the temple was torn from top to bottom. That everybody had access to the presence of God. And now God wasn't housed in a tent or a temple or a tabernacle, but it was housed inside of your heart. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit. So your body is his dwelling place. And the wise question we all need to ask ourselves is this, is if if, if I need my body to do God's will on the earth. And if my body is where God lives, what is the wise way in which I should treat my body? Can I get a good amen? I, I just feel like I'll ask for it since, you know. I'm shameless. I'm shameless. I'll ask for it. Um, here's, here's another thing behind this, behind lifestyle. Part of it's stress. You know that stress is one of the main, main causes for diseases? As a matter of fact, there's a test, and if, if you really want to, go take it. It's called the Holmes, and, uh, the Holmes and Ray test. And it's a stress test that you can take. And you can literally go on through, and they'll ask you all kinds of questions about your job and, and, and all kinds of, like, vacation or family members this or new babies that or all that. It's got a list of all the things that hit you in life. And you can literally get, like, a test score. And, and they'll basically tell you that when you have high, high levels of stress, that what you do is you open up your body to disease. And so you need to monitor not just what your intake is, but how you live life in such a way that does what level of stress do I live under? Number two is this genetics and generational curses, genetics and generational curses. How many of you have like a, a doctor who's told you that this and this and this lives in your family or runs in your family or runs in your blood? How many of your, your mom told you, you know, well, you know, so and so's got cancer and mama had cancer and grandpa. Had, and we don't know what that was, but we think that was cancer and you. Yeah, we got generational things. And and, and here's the deal. There are some of us that are told by good, well-meaning doctors that there are certain tendencies of sickness in our body. Can I tell you, that may be kind of a medical fact. That doesn't mean it has to be a spiritual truth. 
Does that make sense? Like that, that doesn't mean that you're gonna. It means that there's a certain tendency for your body to want to go that way, which means you should be all the more proactive in how you take care of your body. But it also means that you should trust God that you've been given a new bloodline in Christ Jesus that you don't have to accept and receive. As a matter of fact, let me let me read this for you. Deuteronomy chapter five. Verse seven says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or is in the earth beneath or is in the water under the like I'm covering it all. Nothing. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I am the Lord. I'm a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations to those who hate me. Meaning like this, when you expose yourself to sin and you you literally reject God in such a way that you hate God, you are exposing yourself and opening up yourself to sickness. And that carries on generationally. But listen to what he says. But showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Even when God is doling out judgment for due judgment, he's saying my mercy is a thousand times better. Than my judgment. And so what God wants to do is this is God wants to change your bloodline so that when you become uh, you come into the family of God, and you begin to serve God, you can break off the generational curse that's followed your family. And sometimes it's a curse that comes with a disease. Sometimes it's a curse that comes with a certain sin habit where we just like, well, well mom was angry and grandma was angry and grand grandmammy was angry. I don't know who that is. Um, some old, they, and we pass along anger in the same way that we pass along certain sin tendencies. We pass along certain sickness tendencies. But I want you to know like that can be broken over your life. And the simple way that you begin is you begin to pray and say, God, I ask you to break those curses off my life. I don't receive those anymore. I thank you that I do have a new life in you and a new bloodline in Christ Jesus. I am a part of the. You begin to pray and confess and declare those things over your life and watch the curse be broken. Somebody say amen. amen. Number three is this demonic strongholds. Demonic strongholds. Some sicknesses, the Bible say, are related to some type of spiritual attack. Now, not all diseases. I don't want you to go out here and, and cast a runny nose out of your kid. I mean, you could try that, but I'm, I'm not saying to do that. Here, listen, to this. I'm going to make the sense of this. Luke chapter 13, the Bible says that as Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, behold, there was a woman there who had a what? A spirit of infirmity. 18 years. So if your kid's got a, a, a runny nose for 18 years, that's a spirit. That's a runny nose spirit, okay? A, a spirit of infirmity means that there is a spiritual attack against you. And typically it doesn't mean that you have a sickness. It means that you're always sick. That you're always sick. You ever know people like that? You're not like that because you're in here and you're healed and whole. But, but you know some people, you're always sick. Always seem to get sick. What is that? Spirit of infirmity. When you're sick for 18 years straight, that's a spiritual issue. So listen to this. The Bible says... The Bible says later they get mad at Jesus for healing the person on the Sabbath. And so Jesus responds to them in verse number 15. Verse 15 says, the Lord answered and said, you hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? So ought not this woman being a daughter of who? Abraham. Remember I said that the Bible said in Galatians that the blessing of Abraham would be on the Gentiles. That's us. That blessing in all things. And he goes, doesn't the blessing of Abraham need to be on this daughter whom Satan has bound? Does that make sense? Whom Satan has bound for 18 years. Didn't say he just, just got an issue. Like some things are demonic in nature. They're spiritual in nature. And then there's, there's a way to attack that. Number four is this. And this is, this is the root of all things. Really, it's, it's sin. Sin is the cause 
of sickness. You go back to the Garden of Eden, you figure out, like, why are we sick to begin with? It's because when sin entered the earth, corruption took place both in the earth and in your physical body. That's why the Bible says that on the day that Adam would take of the fruit, that he would surely what? Die. That sickness and corruption would enter his body and he would be on a process from that point forward of death. And that's where the human, human race, the human body has been with sin breaks this thing down. Listen to these words. The Bible says that Jesus was teaching. Oh, wrong verse. John chapter five. I got a lot to show you. I told you that John chapter five. The Bible says there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, which means house of mercy, having five porches in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease they had. It is a fascinating story. I don't have time to tell it. Just another day. Now a certain man. This is the where we want to focus. There was a certain man who had an infirmity for how long? 30. That's like that's older than I've been alive. I'm not telling you how old I am, but that's that's. That's a long time to be sick. That's a long time to be hurt up and infirmity for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said, do you want to be made well? Which is kind of like, well, duh, you know, isn't that obvious? Well, here's the funny thing. It's not obvious. Some people actually like being sick. They're rare, but some people do. Some people actually like being sick. They like being the victim. They like being free of responsibility. They have adopted it. They have become a victim to the to the to society and to the world. And because they can just then shirk responsibility, they enjoy their sickness. They use their sickness to put guilt on other people. And even if they were given the opportunity to be well and to be whole, they would struggle with whether they really wanted to or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because when Jesus asked him, "Does he want to be made well?" He doesn't say, "Yeah." He starts. Listen to what he says. The sick man said to him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps in before me. But Jesus says, rise, take up your bed and walk. Verse 14. I'm going to skip. Go to verse 14 for me. Afterwards, Jesus found the guy in the temple later and said this. See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. What he was saying was this. And I'm going to show you a different case in just a minute. Is there sin related to your sickness? You've been sick 38 years. Spirit of infirmity has been on you 38 years. But here's the the reason why. It's because you have sin in your life. Now, I freed you from that sin, but you need to go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Sometimes there is the sin that began at the fall of mankind, and that sin has entered our body. Sometimes we are in direct rebellion to God, His will, and His plan for our life. And because of that, we open the door. To all kinds of weirdness. We open the door just by our moral decisions many times. We open the door to all kinds of sickness and disease. Number five is this, unto the glory of God. This is a weird one. Unto the glory of God. Listen to this guy, totally different. Jesus in in John chapter 9 says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him a question, which I almost feel like is a rude question. Rabbi, who sinned? Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Not compassion, not Jesus, can we heal them? They're like, hey, where did that guy get that blindness from? Was that him? Was that his dad? Was that his mom? Tell me the story. Who sinned? Always curious about the story. Sin. Who sinned that this, and listen to how Jesus responds. He said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. I mean, this wasn't a sin issue. Sometimes sickness is a sin issue. This one was not. But that the works of God should be revealed in him. 
I don't know about you, but like I, I want to see God move just so that he gets the glory for it. I, I love see, hearing stories of, of, of God's healing power. And, and it's just awesome to hear these stories. And you, you, you have these there, there's testimonies in our church and there's fun ones that people tell me and people that, you know, years ago had these incredible miracles take place. It's awesome when God gets the glory. Lastly, is this is, is, is number six. Sometimes sickness is unto death. Sometimes sickness is unto death. Let, let me let me I'm, I'm going to touch on something and it's, it's a little bit sensitive. I want you to know this is that sometimes people die and we are completely devastated by it. And we have no reason. We have no rhyme. We have no answers. I know of a, of a gentleman who was, by all accounts, the most wonderful guy in the whole world, was young, was in the prime of life and suddenly just died for no reason whatsoever. And I have I have no explanation. I can't. I have, I have nothing. But here's what I do want to encourage you with. Is I want you to know that God sees death very differently than we do. God does not. We see death as a loss. Do you know that death is not a loss to God? What did he lose? He didn't lose anything. He's like picking you up here and putting you over there. He's lost nothing, has he? He's transferred you from one realm to another realm. You're still his. Does that make sense? Listen to this. Listen to this verse. Hopefully this will make some sense of it. The Bible says in Psalms 116, verse 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. It's literally just a transfer. It's just a passing of the baton. It's moving from one place to the other. God has lost nothing. We see it differently. And I would encourage you for those of you struggle with death or a loved one in the past that's died or or maybe someone that it's going to come down the road at some point in time. It's one of those things that, that's just inevitable. It's going to happen in all of us. And this is the proof, too, that we all are eventually healed at some point. In this life or the next, God gets his way. In this life or the next, God gets his healing. And in the life to come, the Bible says there is no sickness and there is no pain. Precious. It's precious to God. It's not how we, not how you, we are devastated by it. We feel absolute sense of loss. God sees an absolute redemption. He's lost Nothing. He has only gained everything. Can I get an amen out there? Encourage yourself and love one another with those words. Number Now, here's where we want to go. If this is where sickness comes from, and this is where we got to wrap up today, how do we get healed and how do we pursue healing? Because I don't know about you, I want to see healing in the body of Christ. I want to see healing in our churches. I want to see healing in the people that I pray for. Here, here's where we need to go. Number one is this. I better get a good amen when I do this one. Hey, proper diet, exercise, and lifestyle. Yeah, I, I, you guys are awesome. Um, yeah, it would, it would just go to say that if we want if we, if we want to be free from some of the sin and sickness that I had a woman, um, not a woman, but a, a gentleman come down front here and he said, Pastor, I am mad at God. I am bitter at God. I'm angry at God. And I don't know how to deal with these anger issues. I said, well, why are you angry at God? Because he took my grandmother. And I'm like, OK, and I'm trying to be real sensitive. And, and he was like, OK, well, how did he how did he take your grandma? Well, grandmother died. I'm like, all right. Um, how, how did she die? Well, she had lung cancer and I'm like, okay, okay. You know, like, and I just felt led of the Lord. I'm like, was she a smoker? And I wasn't trying to be rude or incendiary. Like, was she a smoker? He's like, oh, heck yeah. Pack a day for like 70 years. Something like that. I'm like, so you think God took her? And I'm like, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Do you think it's possible that smoking a pack a day for might not have been 70 years. It was super long, 50, 60 years. If you, do you think it's possible that maybe smoking has an adverse effect on our physical health over that long period of time? And maybe that's why she died. Well, maybe. I don't know. 
Let's pray about that. I'm just kidding. That's, that's what I told you. Like, we should pray about that. And my, my point is this, is that we need to have, I'm telling you, one of the most healing things in the world, there are healing foods. I don't know if you know that. There are healing foods. And one of the most healing things you can do is water. Wouldn't that make sense that 70% of your body is made up of water and that if you drink a lot of water, it is more healing to your body? I'm telling you, there's just healing things. There are healing foods, healing water. There are things in the earth and through creation that God has given us. And I'm telling you, because here's, here's what I don't want to happen. I don't want you to get desperate and build your faith and believe God for a healing and then get that healing only to revert back to the lifestyle that got you sick in the first place. Because then you don't get to, to get to enjoy your healing. Does that make sense? I want you to be healed and I want you to make Maintain your healing. Can I get an amen? You got to live. You got to live it. And number two is this repentance and walking with the Lord. Again, if sin is the issue, there are many times we look at our life and realize, wow, I'm in rebellion. I'm in sin. I've got these things going on in my life. And before I can expect to God to make a move towards me, I need to make a move towards God with repenting from the sin in my life. Number three is this through the covering and protection of the body of Christ. Listen to these words in James chapter five. I told you I was giving you a lot. Go get the CD. James chapter 5. Is anyone among you sick? Well, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So listen, here, here we go with this idea that God wants you inside of a church community. With a pastor, with elders, your life is submitted to a community. It's submitted to a life trying to live for God. And you're actually following it God's way. And the Bible says that when you have that type of community, that when you're sick, the first thing you should do is call for the elders of the church, or call for the pastor of the church, say, I want you to pray for me. Can you lay hands on me and pray the prayer of faith? This is what James prescribes. Listen to this. We talked about the gifts of healings that are given to what? The body of Christ. Where are you going to find those? Inside the church. Listen, listen to this one. The Bible says something so interesting. I don't have time to read the scripture for you, but listen to this. The Bible says that, that Paul, while instructing the church to take communion, said, be careful how you take communion. Be careful not to take it haphazardly, but to actually examine and judge your heart. When you take Holy Communion and he goes, the reason why some are so sick among you is because you don't do this. Think about that inside the body of Christ. When we receive Holy Communion, what are you receiving? The blood of Christ, which was shed for the forgiveness of sins and his body, which was broken for you. We talked about that, that his body was broken to pay the price for our healing. Where do you take Holy Communion? In a community of believers. That's how we receive Holy Communion. Now, I'm not saying you can't take it personally. I'm just telling you, like, this is the way Paul instructed the church to take Holy Communion. And he said, do so with, with examining your heart and judging yourself so that a sick thing does not come upon you. There's something uniquely related there. I, I don't have time to break all that down. Number four is this through doctors and medicine. Absolutely. God uses doctors and medicine. God has given mankind knowledge, insight and wisdom I mean, the things that we can do today, I mean, they are absolutely mind blowing. I am not one of those guys that says you need to pray for a healing and don't you dare go see a doctor and don't you. No, 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 no. You pray first. You, you seek God first, but you also go see a doctor. And then you use wisdom to determine what you should do next. Does that make sense? So I'm not saying you, you, you neglect doctors and it's all God. And I'm not, I'm definitely not saying it's all doctors. Because how many know, like, there are certain times that doctors don't always have the right answer. Sometimes they prescribe things that don't make sense. How many know there's enough medicines? You know, we talked about those medicines out there. Have you ever listened to the side effects on some of those medicines? My wife and I, she laughs out loud. She'd be like, you know, symptoms could include, you know, like 
this getting bigger and this shrinking and this coming out that end and that coming out this and like possible death. And you're like, so you're saying I could die from taking the medicine just to try to get better. Isn't that worse than just being sick? You know, like, I don't even know what to do with that. And so my, my point is this, is that you, you absolutely, you know, seek God, but then you find out what the best and wise way to go through doctors and medicine are. Number five is this through prayer, meditation on the word and confession. Listen to this, Psalms 107, God, you sent your word and it healed them and delivered them from their destruction. I'm telling you what, there is something to the word of God. I, I, I have been so fortunate to live a life of health. I mean, so fortunate. I have never spent the night in a hospital. I think I got stitches once. I've never broken a bone. I mean, I just, just a life of health. And I am so uh, glad and thankful and fortunate and give God all the glory for that. But, but, but here's the, I guarantee you, if, if sickness hit my body, I'm telling you what I would do. I would, number one, I would call for every pastor and elder to lay hands on me and pray for me. That I would pray for God to heal me. That I would absolutely soak myself in the reading and the hearing and the speaking of God's word. I, you, you better believe that'd be, on my, that, that'd be on my iPod shuffle. Just scripture after scripture after scripture. I'd be listening to every sermon, every preacher on healing that I could get my hands on. I would soak it in. Because you need the word of God to set the foundation for how all your mind and all your thoughts go. You need to, to bury something in your heart so that it becomes a part of the way you think. It begins to come out of your mouth and becomes a part of your confession. Where do you get that from? You get it from the word of God. That's where you begin. Number, number six is this, by taking authority over the devil. Now, here's the deal. Um, you know, I, I, I believe in spiritual battles. I believe that there is... Satan, I believe in demons, and here's why. It's because Jesus said there was. Um, and I think if you predict your own death, you die on the cross, and then you come back to life three days later, I'm just going to go with what you said. And so, if you ever wondered why I do that, that's what I do. So because Jesus said there was a devil, and because there was a spirit of infirmity, and that's how he handled it, I believe it is. Now, can I explain it all? Absolutely not. Don't even want to. But here I know this. I know that God has given us the authority over spiritual darkness in wicked places. That's what the, what the Bible says from, 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 from Job to Malachi, from Genesis to Revelation, all throughout the Bible, we have authority, not power. We have authority. I mean, God has put us in charge of, doesn't mean we get into a wrestling match with the devil. Does that make sense? It means we stand our ground. We stand on the word of God in the name of Jesus. And by doing that, we have authority over that thing. And we begin to, because again, you, you, you don't teach a demon. You just cast it out. Does that make sense? You don't educate a demon. Well, demon, let me tell you what I think. I, I don't care. You just take authority. And if you don't know how that works, you come see somebody that does and, and will help you with that. Because I know that's a mystery to some of us. But I'm telling you, God wants you and God wants the church to operate in health and wholeness and the power of healing. I absolutely believe that healing is for today. And when we have a revival of healing, can you imagine how the world kind of has to take notice? When there are testimony after testimony of God doing incredible miracles, I'm telling you, it's a revival that happens in me. It's a revival that it happens in us. And then it's a revival that spills out into the world around us. And we need and desperately need a revival of healing. Can I get an amen? Amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. Am I getting, am I getting thumb snaps in the back? That's, I've never gotten that before. That's new. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up on your feet with me this morning. If the, 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 the musicians could come, um, 
Moms, bless you. Thank you so much for worshiping and celebrating with us today. We honor you today, moms. You are just absolutely stinking awesome. And we love you. Um, I'll tell you this too. If I were sick, I'd have my mama pray because nobody prays like a mama prays. And so um, I'm telling you what, I'm so glad that you were here today, moms. Church, here's what I want us to do. We're going to be talking more about this in our small groups, in our ancient pathway groups throughout the week. Make sure you get into your group if you're still interested. There's a card out on the information center. We'd love for to have you fill out that card. We'll try to connect you to a group. And uh, we would love, love, love for you to do that. But here's, here's what I want to do today. I'm going to bless you and dismiss you. But if there are people in here and you say, Pastor, I am sick in my body right now. And for some of you, it's been a chronic thing. For some of you, it's kind of a new thing. I don't care what it is. Um, We're going to pray today. And so the band is going to continue to play even after we release. And I'm going to take a special time down here just to pray for you personally and specially. Can we do that today? If you would like to stay and be a part of that, we'd love your faith and prayers to be added. And uh, I'm just so glad that you're here today. So as soon as we release, if you've got sickness in your body and you would like me to pray for you, please come down front. Let me pray with you. If not, I want you to go with this blessing over your life. The Bible says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. And God bless you. Go have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday afternoon. If you can.